This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. I'm Mike Casazza, welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris. We could do this long. We could do this short. I think this is a very obvious story here. Probably more important, I think, is not maybe the the title or the headline, but what's in between the cover of the book, so to speak. I think what happens is very obvious, but this asks a ton of questions, I think, about this season and the future because there, there's times and places you can't have performances like this. And just at the end of a season, to lay an egg at the start playing catch up when you're not a team that can play catch up in a game you could have won um had you started square is indicative of a lot of things here and a team that just had a habit of stepping on the rake and then avoiding the rake is stepping on the rake again yeah it was bad right off right off the bat with the uh winston right drop pass i mean you can drop it knocked it up in the air volleyballed it up to set up uh, Kansas State interception and return and just kind of a whole string of things. And almost all of them in the first half, just stupid penalties, um, disorganized play, self-inflicted wounds. And, and if you really break it down, and I will in a second, it, it's almost like a 28-point swing between all of these things combined. And and all of them is just West Virginia doing it to themselves. Like it, it, Kansas State played well. Don't get me wrong; they did they did some things well. Um, they played well enough to win. They um, finished out the game strong. And but it, West Virginia just made so many self-inflicted wounds that I think I, I think I counted it up. It was literally like 21, 28 point differential just from those plays. Yeah, and the other part here, the other side of this book, the other cover is that West Virginia rallied. Uh, three straight scoring drives, which is not something you probably saw coming. They get a, I would say, miraculous fourth down conversion for a touchdown. And I'm just thinking, man, Kansas State has done enough to win this game. And Kansas State's going to have to do something here to win this game. They get to fourth and eight. They get an injury timeout, which gave them, I think, a reason to think about or or channel something here. And they just they get a perfect play, uh, a seam route, which... Pretty sure I'm going to be diagnosing this one during the week because this is exactly what Jordan Leslie talked about during the week. Not necessarily expecting it to be Sammy Wheeler, but Daniel Imatorbebe, who I'm very disappointed in because I learned how to spell his name this week and he was a non-factor. But listen, if you're going to give up a fourth and eight conversion on a 35-yard seam route through a small and narrowing window on fourth down on a do-or-die situation, that's that's how you win a game. And they were going to have to make a play. They made a play right there, too. Um, I think you can broadly say that West Virginia was too generous with its mistakes and in granting Kansas State that lead, but got back into it. And then very simply, just a great play at a bad time for West Virginia. Yeah, that I mean, that was that was the play that we have discussed. That, like you said, Jordan Leslie brought it up when we did our breakdown of the of the team and, and the matchups and what they like to do. It was 
They like to run, 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 throw deep. They like to throw deep middle. Watch out for the tight end seam. There it is. Tight end seam, deep middle, boom, boom, boom. Tight window. Uh, Thompson, again, he his stats don't look terrible, uh, but I really didn't think he played well at all. He had a couple really bad throws. Mm-hmm. Um, probably he had no picks. He did have one picked off that got called back. Had another that should have been picked. Um, but it, that that that's his throw. That throw that he made right there, that's like one of his favorite throws, and, and it worked to perfection. He really fit it in a tight window there. So It's perfect, too. I mean, if you're looking for that, what they did was ideal. They motioned Deuce Vaughn out. It flattened out the coverage. It gave a tight end a chance to get past the defender because that defender had to come up. If that defender is deeper at the start, Thompson's not throwing that ball because that defender is on instead of chasing Wheeler at that point. Uh, it works out perfectly, and again, you you just tip your cap to the design there. And there were there were a couple times that Kansas State made West Virginia's defense look silly when they had to. A couple of drives or moments there, but West Virginia's defense hung in despite, you know, uh, I would say some adverse spots there, due in large part to their offense, but also their defense too. Let's not take their defense off the hook. Got run over in the opening drive, made a brutal mistake to negate an interception. Uh, got run over to start the second half, and you know, I don't think you can you can. Quit them as you have other times here. Um, we'll get into everything here. I know you have a list of things you want to get through, but I will ask you this. The start is extremely concerning for a regime, for a team that that has no-showed a couple of times at the start of the game, and the coaches had to say, we're going to work on this. We're going to fix this. It can't have it happen, and it keeps happening. This deep into a third season where there is a lot to play for. A bowl game is a big deal. I know just to get in with six wins is not a big deal, but you could have gotten in with seven. You could finish with eight wins if you win a bowl game. You could really get things right, and this is the time of year that they did get it right two years ago. Um, last year, I'm willing to grant exceptions there because COVID was, was very strange. It cost them a home game at night. It, they were depleted when they went to Iowa State. They rebounded won their bowl, but whatever. Um, to have those mistakes, the, I mean, just lack of physicality, there's just a lot there that, that is very concerning. And then you see the second half, and you see a team that will rebound and play for the coach. I don't know which one you lean on here. Um, I just, I have a hard time getting past that opening because that is somewhat synonymous with previous performances and the way they played in the final 30 minutes is winning football minus the fumble by Letty Brown. But I would say the way, the way they played the first 30 minutes is West Virginia football this year, or maybe Neil Brown football in two and a half years. And I think that you kind of have to lean toward that. If you're going to reach toward one and say, this is the outcome that probably has a longer shelf life here. I just think that the start is so concerning that no matter amount, no matter what amount of good you did after that, it's not going to overcome a repetitive thing for this program and this team and this coaching staff, which is that they were not ready and they paid. When I look at the landscape of college football, FBS, 130 teams, I would argue that, you know, there's, there's a, Elite at the top, some horrendous at the bottom, and then a very large chunk of teams, basically like 100 teams or so or 80 teams, whatever, just kind of a big chunk of teams. West Virginia is in that chunk where at any given time they can win a game, they can lose a game, and a lot of times it comes down to a couple key plays. There's the thing, a lot of those key plays are supposed to be 50-50 balls. They're supposed to be you know, one bad luck play here, one bad good luck play there. West Virginia, they're not 50-50 balls. It's like 25-75, in, in the wrong direction. Every single game that we're discussing this season, and again today, 
you look at it again, I'm going to, I'll rattle off my list here in a minute. And you're like, Hey, there's, here's like seven key plays that man, you just you're talking about a handful of plays and it's just, Oh, Oh, Oh. And it's always, that's what West Virginia did. How many times did Kansas state shoot themselves in the foot today? I mean, How many times did, yeah. yeah and, and that's just not happening and it's happening for West Virginia happened a lot today, even more than usual. But even in the games where they're, they're closer, again, earlier in the year when we were talking about, you know, oh, West Virginia's two and three or two and four, whatever it was, and all oh, they could be so close to five and one right now, if only a couple of plays. Again, yeah, because the, there's four plays, and West Virginia came out on the wrong side of all four of them. And at some point, at some point, it's not luck. It's not bad luck. It, it's a trend. It's a problem. And it's something that needs to be fixed and addressed. And, and I mean, it probably should have already been fixed and addressed, but here we are again discussing it in game 10 of the third season. Yep. And the big moment for West Virginia is Kansas State missed a field goal. Think about that. That's like the big moment for them in that game about like, listen, what's what's the one thing that Kansas State did wrong to bring you back into it? And it did happen and they did score and they did capitalize on it. But when you make so many mistakes and the other team doesn't, uh, you're, you're just not going to get back into it. And it requires you to play very clean football and they don't have that. And then to the point being, they're they're down 14 again, 31 to 17, and their best player loses a fumble. And he was lucky not to lose one earlier in the game, too. So uh, a lot of problems. And again, this, this just comes down to that they were not ready at the start of the game. And I don't know how, unless this team has has taken a lot for granted, but you, you just look at this and it keeps happening. And they've been up for some games and they played well. But and listen, you can say they've scored on the first drive and now seven out of 10 games. Okay. That's 70%, I guess, if we're doing that. But four of them have been touchdowns, too. So, really, how successful is this? And one's Long Island and one's, you know, this team and that team. You could qualify all that. And when you just look at it, the, the times they had to be big, they were not at the start of games. And when, you're, when your go-to receiver has a pass, hit him in the face mask, and, and it's it should be a big, big gain, that's that's a, you know, an iffy throw. That's a bad reception. And that's what happens. And and there's just a lot of that stuff there, too, where everybody was not buckled in at the start of that game. I don't know how that keeps happening, but that keeps happening. And I'm sure that you can ask a question about it and you can get an answer. And, and it's just not going to be sufficient to anybody because it shouldn't be happening this late into the campaign, I would think, or this late into the regime. Uh, I will say this, though. I, th- I really thought that the second half was going to be like a referendum on the staff and the head coach. And if we saw the old business decisions, Chris, there was going to be uh, I would say a lot of sharp instruments aimed at, you know, this season and this span of what, 32 games now. I think it's a little bit less because they did rebound. They did play hard. They gave themselves a chance. They got beat on a fourth down play and they end up losing by 17. I get that. But it was closer, I think, at certain points. And if, you know, one or two things have gone the other direction, who knows? We'll see. They created the distance, so I get that. But um, it's kind of hard to, to, it's hard not to talk about the obvious here, even though it may be frustrating. Let's get to your list of miscues and how important they were. Take it away. So first, this is strictly just the first 20 minutes of the game. So the first quarter and the first handful of minutes of the second quarter, you have the dropped pass to Winston Wright, who you're telling me, you know, you will watch that again. And it's Winston Wright versus one safety who is 15, 20 yards away from him in space. Yeah. Again, he'd be so, so far off the ball that that ball took a big hop and the guy safely ran underneath it. That's how far away he was on that play. So if he catches that, I mean, I'm yeah, maybe you don't want to take my bet here, but I, I would say my my bet would be that Winston Wright's going to score because it, it's you tell me Winston Wright one on one against the safety with 20 yards of space. I think he's getting past him um, instead picked off going the other way. Touchdown for Kansas State. 
uh, a few plays later. Maybe a 14-point swing there. Maybe that's a little too harsh, but let's keep going. You got the interception by, I believe it was extra low, except that gets negated by one of the most egregious and dumb targeting penalties I have ever seen in the game of football. Uh, And instead of first and 10 at the 16-yard line, like already in the red zone for West Virginia, Kansas State keeps the ball. A couple drives later, West Virginia gets the ball back. Nine-yard run from Letty Brown should be second and one near midfield. Instead, chop block. Third, or now it's first and twenty-five, and West Virginia's back deep in their own uh, territory. It's kind of dirty too. Yeah, it's very. It looked terrible. Um, block punt for a touchdown on the on the first formate on the first punt for West Virginia. Kansas State got a lot of pressure, and they lined up and just did the same exact thing, the same thing, the same formation with the same guys. And this time they got it. And this time they got the touchdown. West Virginia made absolutely no adjustments after being pressured and ending up with a 29-yard punt, I believe it was, on that first punt. Mm-hmm. And Kansas State gets a block punt touchdown. Uh, Daigie not throwing the ball on fourth down. How do, how do you take a sack on fourth down? Like that, there's absolutely no reason for that. And then a missed field goal. I mean, you talk about that. that that's in the first 20 minutes of the game, less than 20 minutes of game time. That is, you know, we want to say 14 points swing maybe for that first interception. The Instead of getting first and 10 at the 16-yard line, it, Kansas State keeps the ball. You're talking three or seven more. Block punt, punt for a TD when Kansas State does nothing different than usual. It's another seven. I mean, this adds up. You're talking 20-some points here. A missed field goal, there's three more. And, and all the so much of this is self-inflicted. I do think Kansas State did a nice job scheming up that punt because they also got pressure on the third one. But West yeah. Virginia does have to adjust at some point uh, when Kansas state lines up one way and almost blocks a punt, you have to look at that and say, Hmm, let's not let that happen again. I'll add a couple more to your list. Go for it. Flea flicker. Ooh. Yeah. That should have been touchdown. It, it should be a completion at the very least. And you should be first down inside your 10. Um, I mean, and I think Wheaton maybe has to make a bigger effort on that play, but he's also slowing down. It's hard to come back to that ball when you're slowing down and you see the def- defense coming, but there was space there. Uh, perfect place between the 40s with the flea flicker. It just didn't work out. Uh, a pass to Lady Brown where Lady Brown is out of bounds. Um, there's another pass to him where he ran out of bounds, and I guess he got knocked out of bounds, but like that was strange too. Uh, I, I said out loud in my office with my wife that like I was like, man, they're going to block a punt because the first one was so close, and I was thinking that West Virginia never really changes that shield, and they blocked a punt there, so uh, that was obvious there. And again, just just how important that sack is on fourth down. Throw it. Maybe you get like a bobble. Maybe you get a pass interference. It's tipped in the air, perhaps and someone catches it. Uh, maybe you just get an arm punt. But when you lose yardage, that's completely defeating the purpose of the actual going for it. And then how important is it to put the ball in play? Just to put the ball in play on fourth down. They score on a fourth down where Daigie has nothing going. Nothing. I thought he was oh going to run, I thought out, he was gonna run out of so, Yeah, I thought he was going to run out of bounds. Sorry. I thought he was just going to grab Gatorade and go to the tunnel and be like, I'll see you guys on, on senior day. <laughs> um, and then he just throws it and pitches it, and they get a touchdown. Are they going to get a touchdown on the fourth down play earlier? No, but you've got to you got to give yourself a shot to make something happen. It couldn't happen. Um, and the funny thing is, like that was a miserable, like you said, twenty twenty five minutes of football there, and and you really felt like that they they were still in it. And as long as like maybe a bad thing didn't happen to start the second half, hey, you know, square up and play and see what happens. And then just just really weird stuff. Like I understand kicking a field goal. And then not kicking it to Malik Knowles at the end of the half because that game that guy may burn you. Why the heck do you kick it to Malik Knowles to start the second half and give up a 65-yard return? 
I don't get that. So that was an unusual thing. And then, listen, they fall down again. It's 24 to 3 at that point. You're thinking it's over. And they had a really good response to there's something there's something about whomever decided that they were going to say something or whoever decided they were going to do something on the field. That's there. It's promising. I think it's why you can't just blow the whistle and call the season a season. There's two games left. They're going to be favored in one and maybe both. We'll see. But I just have concerns about their offense being able to go up and down the field against Texas and score. I mean, north of 24 points, probably north against north of 30 if, if Texas gets his act together. But uh, I just I think there's some promise, but I just don't know that there's enough people there who really believe that or want to want to believe that at this point either. Which side of the ball we want to start on here when we, with our our focus, offense or defense? Well, the offense was okay. Just I mean, could not make a big play early when it mattered. And then the defense, I think, let's start offense, I guess, because that's going to be the one people want to talk about because the quarterback. And then I wonder how many people are saying, where's, why are they playing this guy so much? Where's the guy we heard about? Where's Green? Green wasn't available. Um, I'm sure Neil Brown will explain it, but it sounds like Green got hurt on that last hit against um, Oklahoma State last week and just didn't practice, didn't participate this week. So obviously he doesn't travel, doesn't play. You're not going to see Will Crowder out there uh, unless this game got completely away from West Virginia. I don't care what what body language or argument existed between um, Brown and Daigie before the half, short of a Latrell Sprewell moment there, you're not going to see a quarterback change. So you just kind of have what you have. And, and Daigie had a pretty good response, similar to the Texas Tech game in the second half. But that was not a that was not a bend and don't break defense by Kansas State. He just made plays and found people. At one point, this was probably in that first 20 minutes that we were talking about that, that were so dreadful with all these these self-inflicted wounds. Uh, West Virginia was averaging nine yards per carry. And, I, you know, I think the only bad pass really had been, was that pick that was not a bad throw. Uh, you know, and it's just like, man, this offense is moving. I liked a lot of the plays that they had drawn up. Uh, it, it looked like everything was schemed properly. Um, I had a good plan. They were moving the ball and just couldn't couldn't stop kicking themselves. So I, I I'm with you. I think the offense was fine for the first half. I think they they hit a, a stretch there. I believe it was I was trying to see where my numbers were, but Daigie was uh like eleven of fifteen for like a hundred some yards and two pick or two uh, touchdowns uh for a stretch there when he really started getting grooving again. It's just you look at him and, and he just he is so streaky. For better or worse, and it just he has that stretch. It was twelve of seventeen for 114 yards and two two touchdowns before that that last pick in, in garbage time. And but before that, you know, he he had thrown some bad passes. He had was completing like only fifty some percent of his his attempts. Uh, so it, it was a rough look there. But I I don't where where other than like four plays. I didn't see many issues with the offense. I thought it was fine. So, but again, four plays is that's the difference in a game in, in college football. Yeah, there, there's there's more head hangers on offense than there are on defense. They're just are. Um, and I think when you're staring at fourteen nothing in the first quarter, seventeen nothing in the first half, it's hard for them to get it together. And they needed the boost, and they got it. Whatever happened, they they got something going there too. And um, Daigie has two interceptions that are are one's not his fault and one's irrelevant at the end, but. 27 for 43 otherwise take away those two picks 268 yards move the ball around we can talk about that but um i think seven or eight players caught passes that's good a couple i think everybody had at least two receptions so his critique is that he stares things down and he doesn't distribute the ball he doesn't get the receivers involved he did that today too 
Um, he's he's not the he's not to blame. He also wasn't the savior. I, I tell me if I'm wrong here. I think this would have been a game where Green really could have stirred the drink and made something happen because that defense was was not. It was dropping eight, seven, eight a bunch, and even when they blitzed, they blitzed up the middle on things, and that might have been a daggy thing. I understand that, but I do think there's a way he could have been effective today. I think they missed him. I'm not sure how much they would have used him beyond the third series, but he might have come in on that third series and made something happen. Um, and, and Brown, Brown was great early in the game. Letty Brown was great early in the game. Didn't really see anybody else, but again, Brown gets 20 carries, and and I feel like a lot of them were just early on to establish something, and they never really got anything off of it too. Um, I'm looking at numbers here. Uh, Winston Wright, six catches for 33 yards. Letty Brown, five for 33. So short stuff and just never really aggressive again. But they were able to hit things underneath and, and keep drives alive. Like, I just, I don't know. It, it was it was much more like TCU especially, but TCU-Iowa State than, than what we saw last week. So that was good. But just not enough ability to, to sustain things here. And even though you have 12 more plays, um a decent time of possession, I think over 26 minutes, but I just I think it comes down to simply that they have to get out of their game plan. They get down by 14 or 17 points, or they can't do the things they need to make up, and I think teams know that and squeeze on them a little bit when they can, but also play like a, a pretty soft defense that's going to make you, if you're West Virginia, you know, 12, 14, 15 plays, and that's not what you can really do against Kansas State's defense. Um, do, we, do, do we need to discuss the backup thing again for the players? I mean, it's not only that. Yeah, do it. Let's do it because I have I have takes. Okay, because I, I just want for those who are unsure what I'm talking about uh, in the mailbag earlier this week, a user asked the question about, hey, is it is it a sign here that several of the players who are basically being forced into action due to injury and lack of depth are actually looking really good when they otherwise weren't playing in games? You know, guys that were backups second, third stringers, like, again, Charles Woods was was an example. Jackie Matthews was another. Guys that are being forced in the games, and they're looking great after they're being forced into the game. Caden Prather, and, and maybe even Reese Smith a little bit here. I mean, both of those guys are guys who are technically second stringers, but you rarely, if ever, see them in a game or in meaningful snaps on offense. And they got extended looks today with Isaiah Esdale out and Bryce Ford Wheaton banged up. And Sean Ryan, I think, got banged up a little bit there, too. He was he was in and out of the game. And Prather was actually playing in Ryan's spot, yeah. not uh, behind, not not replacing Ford Wheaton. So they were trying some things there with these guys for the first time, really, all year. And what, Prather, four for 60. Uh, Reese Smith, two for 20 with a touchdown. And, and a couple of Prathers were, you know, big, for a fourth down conversion, a couple other first downs. He recovered that fumble, the first fumble from Letty Brown. So this is, again, we talk about, hey, you know, sometimes that happens with the 50-50 ball. Sometimes it happens where the backup is more of a gamer type. And then sometimes it's, it's a trend and it's a thing to notice. And, and we're noticing it here with, like, this is like six, seven guys that have been forced into action due to a lack of depth or injury and look pretty darn good. And the question is, why are they not playing more? Those are two that don't make much sense to me either because Smith has played limited in two seasons now but has been productive when when they've poured things into him. And it's going to be hard to pour stuff into the slot when you have Winston Wright, when you're playing just for three receivers, and when you do play four, you play Sam James a lot. Sam James still on the team, by the way. Um, but there's always two outside receivers out there. And I think we could be honest about this. Like they, they didn't have anything behind Ryan and Esdale on the right, and evidently nothing on the left behind Ford Wheaton. 
And the only reason that Prather gets in the field today is because Sam Brown is transferred. That's a whole other conversation, but maybe it bleeds into this one too. As Dale wasn't available, Ryan dinged up. You put Prather over at the other side. It's a new position, but like it's not like he was doing these exotic things. He's running slants. He's running into space. Like it's, I'm pretty sure he knows the route tree. There's nine, there's nine routes on the route tree. Pretty sure a guy who's a four-star receiver understands them. And if it's against the zone, he can get open there too. Uh, I just don't understand sometimes why those guys don't play or play more. And we'll see what happens now. Does it, here's the thing too. Like, sure, you get tapped on the shoulder and you play and you play well. Awesome. Add a boy. Enjoy the plane ride home. You'll have a good day on film on Sunday. What does it mean next Saturday? And if these guys are just back to normal, playing a little bit, playing not much, only getting on the field if someone rolls an ankle or isn't available, that that says something to those players. And you really wonder about process and how they handle those things. And, and not just them, but other people who are one or two rungs below where they want to be. Man, I just saw this guy go out and get, you know, four catches for 60 yards, had our biggest pass play of the day. Why am why can't I get in the field? And why am I going to try so hard when it doesn't work? I could see that being discouraging and something that people think about and maybe even talk about, too. And, and Smith, I mean, they use Smith in different ways. He was almost like a second tight end, the way he was trying to block on some run plays. They were running what looked like maybe like split plays where frequently you see a tight end sweep across and block the edge. And he was doing that. And he's not a great blocker, but he's also not a big guy. Like he whiffed on a, a screen pass outside on one play. They ended up being a TFL right before the pump block. But he's also not six board 255 either, but he's in there and he's trying to do stuff. And they trust him to do those things. So there's something there with him. That's an inside guy. There's something there with Prather, obviously. That's an outside guy. And those are people you would think if someone did take a, a step forward today, certainly it would be them. But there's just there's just not a whole lot new or different about the offense there too, except that you know just kind of the the fact that I, I don't know what is even new and different. I guess I'm looking at it now, and and this is what strikes me, Chris. I'm looking at let's just go by sack adjusted yardage. Um, West Virginia 4.1 yards, Kansas State 4.2 sack adjusted. So you don't take sacks, you take sacks out of it. So just handoffs, run plays, 4.1, 4.2. But Kansas State ran the ball 14 more times. That's important because that means they're getting, you know, that much more yardage because they're productive on it, too. And then average yard per completion, 9.9 for both teams. So that's pretty even. That's like as even as you can get between these offenses and West Virginia, more snaps. But just so many negative plays too. nine tackles for a loss, sacked three times, three fumbles, uh, three turnovers, of course, in the red zone, just twice, five for 14 on third down, which is actually going to be eight for 14 on third down, which isn't bad because they do go for it on fourth down three times. But I just see a team that can play even offensively, but cannot get even on the scoreboard. They outgained Kansas State by 46 yards today, and they were even in all the other categories. I just said they lose by 17. That's pretty obvious why. Yeah, you look at the yardage and all that stuff, and it's that's an even game. And then, again, you go back to those plays we were talking about um, that dropped – pass that ends up as an interception the punt block for a touchdown missed field goal there's 17 points there's a there's a 17 point differential right there and all three plays went the kansas state's way and, I mean, and, and let's it's it's not just that it's they were in the red zone which it's hard for them to get in the red zone they're in the red zone but cowan's penalty wise play out um it's hard to get in the red zone they have a flea flicker that should have gotten them in the red zone maybe should have scored didn't get it and it's hard for them to create opportunities with their offense or their defense to help their offense. And you, you can't squander them. You just can't. And they do. That's that's just what happened. And I, I've resisted to do this for some time with this team. You know, there's certain little axioms that I like to apply to teams. And one of them is that, like, listen, at some point you are who you are. And I've really delayed on that with this team because there's something, there's something 
I can't I can't look at a team that was two and four, you know, one back to back games, got to two and three in the conference. I mean, I still I don't understand how they scored like they did against Iowa State, but they did. And there's something there. And you're thinking, I can't I can't put my feet in the wet cement on this team yet because I'm not sure that they even know. Chris, they've gone they went 20 drives in Big 12 play without a touchdown. <laughs> you can't do that. I mean, one drive against Iowa State to end. 12 drives against Oklahoma State last week, and then the first seven drives today. 20 drives in this conference without a touchdown. You can't do that. And then, like, the shame of it is that this really is a time where if you're just okay on offense and you have a good defense, you can be competitive because look at what happens in Baylor today. They win. They, they, they shut down Baylor's offense, and they win. But look at the way Baylor plays. Excuse me, they shut down Oklahoma's offense, and they win. But look at the way Baylor plays like that. Look at Oklahoma State's offense. Adequate, sure, but also average. But a really good defense. Look at West Virginia's defense. Nothing to be embarrassed about, but just just has an inferior offense. And you've, you've built this thing to protect what you're not good at, which is your offense, and to accentuate what you are good at, which is your defense and formerly special teams. But your offense can't do it. And again, I'm not. it's not a blame game thing, but it's pretty apparent that there was a chance for this team to do something, whether this season or within this season, because the surroundings are such that it allows that. No one has a dynamic, explosive, volatile offense here, no matter what Baylor did to West Virginia. But that offense that West Virginia has just can't play even right now. Well, <laughs> so I was going to say the, the the most alarming thing to me, I mean, one, I, I was not, I mean, I, I was aware but I, I hadn't sit here written down the the number of drives. But when that stat came across about the 20 straight drives, 20, and then ended up being what was it, 23, 24 before they finally did, um, that that was stunning. And then again, you have to add on this little piece here: 20 some straight drives without scoring a touchdown, and zero zero changes to the offense. Like, no, you know, no discernible changes to what's going on. And we're 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 penning odes about Caden Prather caught four passes and half of his yards came on one catch. Hey, listen, a fourth down conversion, a third down conversion, a 32 yard play. That's great. But that's the standard right now. If you get four for 60. You get a star, you know what I mean? And that's that's yep. a weird thing. And again, I, I don't know what you can do about quarterback today. And I, I just don't know where their personnel is. I don't know why Tony Mathis didn't run more than once for three yards for as, as effective as he has been and asked about, but also talked about all the cues are there that he's done everything he's supposed to do. You would think that warrants more than one uh, carry. Um, just don't know. You look around the cast is the same, but also the questions are the same, which means that you, you really have to change the answers here. And uh, listen, it would be, it would be a bad deal to miss a bowl game. The finances don't matter, I don't think, as much anymore. The revenue is not a thing like it used to be because West Virginia gets untold millions of dollars just for being in the Big 12, no matter what it does. It can go 0-12, and, and it's going to be rich. But if you go 5-7 and seven or 4-8 and eight with the same script and you have a chance before the Texas game and before the Kansas State game to sit down, stare at a blank prescription pad, and do something to fix what you have right now, and if it's the same or if there's no ink in that paper – I think you have to be disappointed, if not mad about that. But I don't know what you put on that pad. What do you do? That's I don't either. Yeah, I, I was going to say, the 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 quarterback thing, 
and and I, I'm still in the same boat I was last week because for the entirety of the time that I have done this, I, I, I like I said, I, I always have answers. I don't know if they're the right answers, but I always have answers. And after last week's performance against Oklahoma State, I wasn't sure what the answer was at quarterback. I didn't know which way to turn. I'm still unsure. I still don't know what to do. God, you see these glimpses from Deggie, and then you see just the worst glimpses, like the 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 bad side of it, and you just think that's this guy's not the answer. Then you think maybe he is, and it's either uh, a stretch in a game. Sometimes it even is a whole game. You know, Iowa State, he was great. He was really great. I mean, the, nobody else is doing to Iowa State what Jared Deggie did to them. Nobody. Not even close. And you think, boy, if you can get that, that's your quarterback. I mean, after that Iowa State game, we were talking about, hey, 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 bring Daggy back for another year. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I mean, not, but I, I think we were at least saying, if you have a quarterback that can do that, sure, you better have a really good option to tell him to say thanks, but no thanks, bye. Absolutely. And and, and now. I'm not even close to saying that. I, I'm saying it's definitely. I, I I don't know what the plan is. Also, there doesn't seem to be one, unless the plan is wait till Nico gets here in the spring and hope he's the guy, and then you're rolling the dice with a freshman again next year, and then you're gonna. I mean, are, are you gonna go eight and two with a freshman, or are you gonna go four and six with a fresh, or you know, four and eight with a freshman again next year, and tell everybody, hey, we're building up, we're young, again. I don't think you can do that. Yeah, he's got his hand on the thermostat right now. How Exactly how hot the seed is at the start of next season is really up to these final two games, maybe three games. Um, if it's three, great. If it's two, uh, that's obviously it's going to be a little bit more north and south when it comes to the temperature. I guess more south than north, it's hotter in the south. You get my point. Um, and it's up to him. I mean, what can he do? What can they do? But again, what it's not, not what will they do or what. Will happen. It's what can they do? What can happen? And I just don't know what the answers are right now. They can reach in that bag all you want, but you're going to hit the bottom, I would think, sooner rather than later. And you can't pull much out. I mean, what are you going to do? You're not going to run an RPO team now. They're not going to. They're not going to start Green, especially if he's been out a week for practice. I don't think he can. It's it's kind of silly to think that Will Crowder is going to come in and fix everything right now. Too if that guy was that good, he would have played already. That that obviously would have played. And that's one thing to light up your scout team or your guys who aren't playing. So. You're probably going to see Daggy start the final two games. Um, you might see more of Green. I would think there's a chance you can do that, but he's got to get cleared to play too. So that's 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 one of those things that's very hard to predict because of this. And then I think that's the frustrating thing for people too is that they want to believe and they like their team. And they like the idea that they have a lot of young people on offense that could get better together, but that doesn't help in the presence in the present. So they're going to have to find some way to rally around this here against a Texas team that just is frankly more talented. May not be as good, but is more talented. And if you're if you're just picking two teams that are four and six, or maybe one's five and five after today, um, well, there's a lot on the table next week, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely is. I, I mean, I, it's we talked before this game that you don't want to be in a situation where you have to win your last two games to get bowl eligible, and that's exactly where West Virginia is. And and really, obviously, I mean, even when it's two and you need two. The next game is the most important one, and, and that game is not going to be easy. I mean, Texas is has the potential to be really, really good. Granted, they've not done that recently, but I, it just seems like they're they're right on the edge of being good. And it's going to be big 
for a lot of reasons. Not just, I mean, yes, you got to win, but they also set that weekend up as the big recruiting weekend. Mm-hmm. That's the day that they have invited everybody up for visits. I mean, almost all of them are unofficials, but 2022, the current commitments, the top targets in this class remaining, the 2023 guys that they are really high on their board, they they asked a lot of these guys, hey, wait and come that day. We want you there for that game. And you're going to invite them up, and now it's going to be a 4-6 and six West Virginia team with 38,000 fans. 40,000. I mean, well, it's Texas, so maybe a little more than that, but not a full stadium, most likely. And you lose that game, and you're if you lose that game, you're not bowl eligible. That is not the atmosphere you want to put forth for recruits at all. So all right. it's 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 a big weekend for a lot of reasons. Noon game, mm-hmm. uh, horns down is illegal, so you can't even talk to fans about coming and doing that. It's four and six against again four and six five and five. Who knows? Um, that's a team that's leaving the conference. What's attendance like? Is it above or below Iowa State? That what was, was Iowa State one forty six one above, but just barely. That's a wild question to ask, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's hit the defense before we we wrap up here because again, good and good, but not good enough. Um, I I was surprised that Kansas State insisted on running outside on West Virginia. That's not what you're going to do against West Virginia. It's key spots to an end around, a speed option, things like that inside the red zone. Uh, Deuce Vaughn still finds his way to 121 yards, breaks a big run in a big spot just to get him uh, and miss the field on the drive. But still, um, I don't know. I just I just see I see that they can only do so much, I guess, but they, they were not perfect today either. No, I, I think it's kind of been – it was a, a perfect example of their season as a whole. Like – Really good, really good, really good, egregious mistake. Really, really, really good, really good, gives up a big play. I, I mean, it, it just feels like, you know, they're doing two-yard gain, two-yard gain, 36-yard gain. And and that happened again today. Um, it, again, they were put in some bad spots, some short fields. Seven of those points were on special teams. So it's going to save 34 points and – Again, uh, we talk about this a lot. How many of those 34 points are on the defense? 20, maybe. Uh, I think they did just fine trying to hold hold that team down. Gave the offense a chance to win that game. The offense just didn't ha- have it, and then the defense started wearing down and gave up a few big plays. And, and the wearing down thing is, is the most concerning thing for me. Th- this defense is already ridiculously thin to the point that they're playing musical chairs with the freshman DBs to rotate them on the travel roster and, and off mm-hmm. um, again, a couple guys out that were contributors like Lance Dixon. So that, that was doubtful. So that wasn't, uh, you know, a big shocker, but then the guy that splits time with him, X low goes down in a very scary hit um, collides with Jordan Jefferson. And I mean, he, he went down cold, um, very Obviously knocked out cold. Uh, I mean, Scotty Young's scream and run away because he was standing right there was is like etched into my brain. Uh, he was obviously terrified by what he had just seen. Uh, luckily, he got up, walked off. But I doubt you see him next week. He's officially <laughs> doubtful right now. Yeah, I like. I don't know what Neil Brown said post game yet, but uh, consider him doubtful. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and you're getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And I was interested. What are they going to do with low out? They went with the 
you know, Bartlett and Chandler Semedo, and then just a bunch of DBs kind of look again. And maybe that's the way you go in the last couple of weeks. Maybe Stevens gets more time. Who knows? But this is the situation that the defense is in, and that's concerning. I don't know if they can do that Scotty Young playing Will against B. John Robinson or their run plays. You can do that oh. against Deuce Ball when you're trying to go outside a bunch, but be hard to do it against B. John Robinson. Again, one half of the best running back team in the Big 12. <laughs> um, their, their front is really good. They're fun to watch. Like their Stills has become unblockable in the second half of the season. And and a lot of it's because like he just does stuff that the offensive line isn't ready for. And he just like you think it's a blown assignment, but like I guarantee you they're not missing assignments on Dante Stills. Uh, Mesador played well. Austin played well. They started Linnell Carr today, I believe. So That's officially, was, yeah. Did yeah? Did they really? Okay, I, I was pretty sure he was on the field. They went even to start. So they they have players. Jefferson's played pretty well. He got in the backfield a bunch. Like their defensive line is good, but I just they're so thin behind them now too. Um, and you're right. Like Aubrey Burks out for the season now. It's a guy who was they were trying to get into play some more. He can't ridge. I believe he's played six or seven games. Uh, they didn't travel with Malinger today. They traveled with Davis, excuse me, uh, uh, Andrew Wilson Lamp, who they're trying to redshirt. He didn't play as a cornerback. Instead, you're moving Matthews from spear to corner at times. And I don't, honestly, I don't even think I saw that today. I think that Woods, um, I might be wrong here, but it sure felt like every time I looked up, Porter and Woods were on the field playing corner, which you can do that when a team runs as much as Kansas State does, and they don't do a lot of deep stuff. Uh, in fact, I don't even remember um, Malik Knowles getting targeted today. Did he catch a pass even? I don't think so. Yeah, so like they, you were able to pretty much duck and cover against Kansas State. You're you're not going to see Kansas State next week. You're going to see four and five stars and and high school all Americans and and listen, they haven't done it in college. I get that, but like their personnel is going to be legitimate. Maybe not the most well coached team because it's the first season and maybe some people have fallen off. It's it's happening. You can tell, but personnel is going to be a problem for sure, especially when you're in the state that West Virginia's defense is in right now too. And that back end is is. Those guys are playing a lot and they're not playing well, and that's 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 kind of obvious sometimes too, especially when they're asked to help against the run, which you're going to have to do when you're down linebackers. So that's um that's a conversation for next week, but that's certainly a tricky situation. Uh, we'll wrap up with this. I texted you during the game that I was like, "This feels like West Virginia is going to win 28-27," and at that point it was 24-10. Well, how do you get to 28-27? Well, Chris. If you're down by 14 in that late third, fourth quarter, and you score, there is a school of thought about going for two after your first touchdown. And you are not familiar with this, correct? No, I, I am familiar with it in the fact that I have seen other people mention it, and I have been trying to do the math in my head of how you get there and why. So I'm going to need an explanation. It's probability and analytics. And the numbers say that you're about – in between like six and a six and a half times out of 10, you're going to convert on a two point conversion. So you're more than likely to get one out of two than none out of two. And if you're coming back from 14 down and you score, and if you can turn a 14 point game into a six point game, will your next score might win you the game. So a lot of people go for two the first time. And if not, well, you still need a two anyways, if you're going to win the game. So you're down by eight instead of seven or six but you can then tie the game and force overtime. So that's a school of thought right there. So I was thinking this just feels like they're going to do this and maybe Kansas State retakes the lead 27-25 and here comes St. Neil Brown down the chimney with a field goal to walk off and win and everybody's hailing his analytics because they played pretty well to that point in the second half, um, moving, trying to make it work. 
didn't see it. They they decided to take 24-17, and I completely get it. I'm not questioning it. It didn't matter. But I I think there was enough time for them to actually score twice. They could have won that game. I don't know, about 31-24. They could have won that game 27-24 or 31-28 or something like that. They could have they found a way to points there because there was so much time left. I think if it's deeper in the game, you might do it. But to answer the question, it's probability. A lot of people say that you're, again, in between like six and eight, six or seven times out of ten, you're going to get one of the two-point conversions, it's much more unlikely that you go over two. What would you do down 14 in that situation? Would you have kicked the extra point? Would you have gone um, for two? And would your decision change later in the game? Because their score to make it a 24-17 to 17 game came with 11.50 left in the game. There's a lot of time left to yeah. get two scores. I mean, the traditional thought, I think, is, you know, hey, 24-10, you score, make it 24-17, then you come down, you tie it up, or... or on the road, make that decision of, you know, try to go for two and win the game there at the end. Um, I don't know. I'd have to see those numbers about, I mean, I know you just broke out some of them, but I have to really think long and hard about going for it, going for two and then trying to go for two again and all that other stuff. That, that seems like a lot. I think it's trickier in college because the way the overtime rules are now. So let's say you go one for two. You've used two plays. How many two-point plays do you think a team brings into a game? Right. Not many. And yeah. the way the overtime rules are now, you go to that two-point play much quicker than before, which means you're running out of two-point plays. So I can see that being maybe a, a cover-the-break thing for head coaches now. Where like at that point, if you're Brian, you're saying, listen, I, I, there's something to be said about carrying you know, two or three of our three to five two-point plays into overtime. Let's worry about that first. I can see that being part of the decision-making. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. Um, Deuce Vaughn scores in a touchdown after that that really, really strong throw by Thompson. We heard about his accuracy. We heard about the tight end seam all week. It came together at the ideal time for the Wildcats. That was There's no bigger play in that game. You can talk about the punt block. You can talk about, um, I don't know, the Cowan thing is a big play, too. I don't think anything in that game is bigger than that fourth and eight completion. No, I think legitimately, and I texted somebody this, uh, a capital S somebody, Ooh, that – you stop there. I actually believe West Virginia is going to win that game because I mean, yeah, I get it. They're still down seven in the fourth quarter, but I think they're down seven with, uh, you know, at the what forty some yard line, and how much time is left? There's like still like seven minutes left at mm-hmm. that point. Um, so yeah, I think that was where, where is that play? Yeah, thirty. So there was about yeah, it was like almost eight minutes left in the game when that happened. So yeah, I think if you get the stop right there. Down seven, eight minutes left. All the momentum in the world for West Virginia at that point, which is just wild to think about. But you get a stop on that fourth and eight. Man, that's a completely different ball game in my mind, obviously. Yeah, and again, you know they're not going to run the ball there, too. So you've really kind of made it, I don't want to say one-dimensional, because they can do a lot of stuff, and they did, but you know a pass is coming. Formations, pre-stop stuff, if you want to try to figure out why that matters, take a look at that, too. So, um, hey, uh, two left, got to go 2-0, and o, otherwise the season ends before December begins, which is maybe unexpected. Uh, real quick before we go, give me brief thoughts on basketball. That was that performance against Pitt. 30 turnovers forced, ten or 30, more than 30, more than 10 block shots. That is, this is why I said, Derek, the the swap of Kerrigan and Polycap and, and giving more time to Gabe 
was a better fit for what West Virginia had than having Culver on the team. And again, we've stressed this enough, you and I both on the podcast and writing, this is not a knock on Culver. It's all about fit. And the way this team is set up, it is best to have those guys back there that can that can block shots. And those guys did that. Heck, Jalen Bridges did that too. I think he was he has he has some long arms. He was around the rim, was really pestering guys, and it just sets up well. It's, it's a great combination between the length on the back end for West Virginia and the god awful annoyingness of the point guards and and really everybody, all the guards up front that really just it's just hey, go all out to pester them out on the perimeter, and if they get by you, it's okay. Like, I mean, it's not great, but it's not a given that it's two points like it was not like it was if you had, again, no offense to Culver, but if you had Culver back there, it, it's it's just two points. Uh, now it's not. Now it might be a block shot. Now it's going the other way, and you're scoring points. So I think it's it, this team is set up really well. I think they still need to figure out this offense because it's, it's strange to me that you have a team that is built around shooting the three, that struggles against the zone as much as it does. It is a team that can't that is not a very good dribbling team and is supposed to be a really good shooting team mm-hmm. and they cannot shoot against the zone. And I think a lot of that has to do with these guys just trying to learn to play together. Cause I mentioned it after the Oakland game and it reared its ugly head against Pitt. I mean, it didn't really matter because the game wasn't that close, but th- th- there's certain spots in the zone that you're supposed to attack that guys are supposed to fill. And Far too often, two guys are going to that spot. There should be one guy in every spot, obviously. You know, you don't want two guys on in a spot, and West Virginia is sending two guys to the spot. So the guys know where they're supposed to go, but I think they're still trying to figure each other out on offense and who's supposed to do what, when, and, and getting to know your teammates, I think, is a big problem there. But it, it'll work itself out. I I feel okay about my um, – my, I guess, yeah, I've had a few people call me a homer for my prediction for the basketball team this year, and I still feel good about it. People inside the program are calling you a homer. Yes. <laughs> That's optimistic, right? Yes. I'll say this. West Virginia thinks that that Oakland's a pretty good team, and they did beat Oklahoma State last night, but they were saying that beforehand. That's a really good coach who knew what to do, and they played a zone that gave West Virginia trouble. Their personnel is good. They think that team's going to be good in the Horizon League this year. Maybe not win it, but like you'll look back and say, well, that wasn't bad. Um, it's a mess. That could get out good this year. But what I'd heard about scrimmages and exhibitions and what we've seen the first two games and what I wrote about after the first game was they are going to drag point guards in the deep end this year. They, they they may lose games. A point guard may be up to the challenge and go, but they're going to make it hard in the other team's point guard. And that's going to help the defense a ton because if you can't get into offense, I don't care how good your twos and your threes and your fours and fives are. If your one can't make it happen, you're going to have a hard time against that defense. And, man, they're not pressing all the time, but they're they're pressuring all the time and they're pressing a lot they're really squeezing the ball and getting up on people too and i think what was what was maybe most promising and i'll keep it brief chris since i did say let's keep it brief um Buen, almost a non-factor compared to how he played tuesday night but the team had that same energy and that same gusto to to kind of scrap and claw and fight almost literally without Buen. and i think that's good because they're gonna have to do that and if that's your motor Buen. And he's not there, but that thing is still spinning and chopping people up. That's a really good sign for them. It's hard to buy into that. It's easier in the beginning of the season than it is in the middle or the end, but it's hard to buy into it still. And they have that going in the right direction right now. I think that's going to be a force for them to use and, and to really grind people down. I'm with you. I think it's actually a better sign for West Virginia that the second game went the way it did. Because in that first game, it seemed that Osabuen was the only one who had any life to him, any energy that really brought it like that. And, and I'm with you. The fact that 
he he got in foul trouble, wasn't out there as much, and everyone else had that emotion, that, that was a good sign. Small thing, too. He comes in first time Friday night. The crowd goes nuts. And the players go, wait a minute, what? And you know why? It's not because he had a bunch of threes or he dunked on people. He took charges. He passed. He dove. He got, you know, Osaboyan plays. And people understand that's recognized. And that's that's like more reason to put pennies in the piggy bank. If you're going to invest in that style of play, you're going to get rewarded. And, like, it's a small thing. But, man, having a crowd back is really cool. Like, I missed that. But it was it was really fun in there. And the buzz was, like, impossible to ignore. And I think it affected the players. It definitely affected Pitt's point guard. That guy was out of his mind early in the game and had a bad game. But... Some of that's also because West Virginia's point guards, like I said, they're going to they're gonna drag you in the deep end and make you play. Yep. On the site, coming up, what do we have, Chris? Uh, well, there will not be a plays that change the game because if you check the uh, game cast and the probability index, even I think when West Virginia cut it to seven, the odds were still 80-some percent in favor of Kansas State. At no point did it drop below about 70% for this game. So, uh no point in me rehashing play by play how it changed from 75% Kansas State to 77% to 76% to 81% and so on. Um, but we will have updated power rankings, going to have some recruiting news, uh, big kind of breakdown coming uh, this week for recruiting because as of Wednesday, that is four weeks from signing day, I believe. So I, I think on, on Monday, I might have a bigger update because that'll be one month away. Um, and so look forward to that and, um, you know, the usual Sunday stuff, Vegas stuff and, um, report card. I I haven't had to change it that much the last couple of weeks. I guess that was just a a one-off thing where it was a real big difference. Um, I didn't even run a a, a rerun, a rescout on Tuesday because the grades were basically the same. Three things I think, three things I know, snap counts. I'm about to have an executive session, Chris. Do I write about basketball or football tomorrow? <laughs> Tune in to find out. That evening spot might be interesting. We'll see what happens. There's plenty of basketball that people like right now, so we might have uh, plenty to talk about. And again, some big games this week coming up. Um, hey, next week's post-game podcast, it's going to be fire. Is it? I'll be I'll be anesthetized. Oh, God. Because <laughs> I'll be post-surgery. I don't know what type of pain pillars, pain pills I'll be on. I'm not a big pain pill guy, so maybe I'll just be doing a leave anyways. But... Uh, and then a noon game against Texas that, that could be the end of the season for all we know, too. So uh, who knows what will happen. Again, tune in to find out. Should be fun. Yep. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.